This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. It's wonderful to have Caroline Farrow back with us once again. Caroline, thank you for your time. Oh, great to be here again. Happy New Year, everyone. Exact. Happy New Year. And Caroline has not been arrested as yet. Yet. Uh, <laughs> that, that, uh, we, um, yeah, when we had her on one, one time before, I think the next day she had the police around. I think we're praying that doesn't happen this time. So I hope tomorrow you have peace and quiet to cook your Sunday <laughs> roast and don't have the police. Well, yeah. Uh, I've, I, do you know, it's crazy, actually. It's crazy to have to live like this. Uh, but I actually have a plan now what happens, what we do if they come to to the house. I'm not going to say what that plan is, um, but it is utterly crazy that we should have to live like this, that, okay, I can't answer the door. Because, you know, actually, uh, if you answer the door, that immediately gives the police certain rights. So, um, yeah, we we, we have a plan what to do uh, if if the police come to the door. Um, And it will be lots of fun, actually. I think uh, if they do try and come and arrest me for speaking my mind on the internet, um, everyone might get a little bit more than they've bargained for. And that's all I'm saying. And obviously, that's not a threat. I would never, you know, that's not a violent threat or anything like that. Uh, But yeah, it, it will be interesting what will happen. We will watch it closely. Um, I'm looking on the comments on Getter. Lee David Sainsbury's evening, Peter, and the amazing Caroline. Chris Davis, 33. Good evening, Peter. Tigger Boy, 1965. Evening, Peter and Caroline, all listening. Villain, 82. All good things come to those who wait. They do. Thank you for waiting. Uh, Nork, NY, New York City. Great to have you with us. Nick Bumble. Hi, all. Ollie, 77. Hi, Peter and Caroline. Uh, um. Drop your comments in. I will try and pick them up. But just before we start, just I was out today and we'll put some footage up tomorrow uh, at a gathering. Um, Fiona Hines was organizing it. Always does a great job. And it was looking, basically taking from Safe and Effective a Second Opinion, uh, which was looking at uh, vaccine side effects. So it was interesting. Andrew Bridgen, MP, was there. Uh, Matt Letizia was there. Robert Malone videoed him. Um, and there were about eight people who were describing their experiences and no one will listen to them. And I think at the moment, if you, if someone dies, I think, and it's linked, the family get 120,000, but injuries is very difficult. So we'll put footage of that tomorrow. Safe and effective, a second opinion done by Oracle Films. It is well worth the watch. It is harrowing um, watching people who have suffered and cannot get any recompense or justice. Um, But that's just on the side. Um, We'll post that anyway. The link to it on social media. I'd watch clips of it, but today, actually hearing from the people themselves on the platform outside the BBC, it really did bring it home how many people are suffering with that and it's important their story is heard and can be addressed. So that to one side, uh, we'll jump in on the stories and... Caroline, we'll go north of the border. And the first one is doctors air concerns over details of Scotland's assisted dying. This is the Scottish Daily Express. The bill to legalise assisted dying in Scotland is to be introduced in Parliament this year after a public consultation. 
Public consultations. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. What What are your thoughts? Obviously, we have a a extremely liberal government in Scotland. Um, we thought maybe it was better in Westminster. I don't know if it's so much better, but certainly it seems as though Nicola Sturgeon wants to push ahead with a raft of measures, and this, of course, is one of them. So tell us about this. Well, this has actually been introduced by a Liberal Democrat um, MSP, Liam MacArthur, who's won the right to um, introduce the bill in, into, into Holyrood. So um, I'm not sure if it actually from the SNP, but, you know, certainly they're very keen on it. And... What the, this doctor's report has so basically there has been a medical advisory group set up, uh, you know, to help the, the the Scottish Parliament make their decision, and this, as often happens, this uh, medical advisory group is stuffed to the gunnels with um, pro-assisted suicide supporters, pro-euthanasia supporters, and uh, a group of very high-ranking Scottish doctors have spoken out and said that they're very concerned. Uh, that this medical advisory group has provided a five-page report and recommendations for medical practitioners. But not once in this report does it mention what medical practitioners should do if um, something goes wrong with the procedure. Um, sorry, I've, 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 I've got something pop up on my screen there. Um, so um, basically it's it's the, the MSPs, sorry, the medical advisory group that's advising Holyrood has said, okay, this is how doctors should act. Uh, this is how, how we propose um, assisted suicide. They like to call it assisted dying, but it's really important we get the terminology right, okay? Yes. It's not assisted dying. Um, because in all these cases, assisted dying, this is all about, we, we get the same thing in abortion. You know, they try and reclaim the language. They try and say abortion care. And they try and do anything to remove, to detract away from the fact we're talking about a living uh, human being, you know. So they use clinical language like fetus. Now, in they've done the reverse uh, when it comes to assisted suicide. So they want to call it assisted dying because nobody likes the thought of euthanasia because euthanasia is a doctor putting somebody to death. Um, you know, an assisted dying sounds like compassionate care, assisted, you know, you're on a journey to death and we're just kind of helping you along the way. It, it, it sounds softer. Actually, what it technically is, is assisted suicide because in all these instances, you're giving uh, the patient the medication or the means to kill themselves. Um, and, you know, obviously campaigners don't like saying assisted suicide because, you know, a doctor shouldn't be helping somebody to kill themselves. But anyway, to go back to... Um, this bill that's being presented to the Scottish Parliament, um, to Holyrood. What's happened is there's been this medical advisory group that have produced these recommendations for doctors. And not once does it uh, have anything in that report about what doctors should do if the procedure goes wrong. So what does a doctor do if you give the patient the medication and they, they vomit? What, what do they do? What would you do in that scenario? What happens if the patient has seizures? What happens if the patient uh, doesn't die quickly enough? Uh, one of the things that's not often reported on, but is, is extremely common, we know this from um, Oregon and from Canada and from Washington and all the places, and, and Belgium and the Netherlands, all the places where euthanasia is legal, 
what is happening is, you know, we have this very Hollywood idea, don't we, that, you know, somebody takes uh, the medication and they sort of slip away quietly and gently. What's happening is, is that people are taking this medication and they are very often taking 48 hours, in some cases, even 72 hours to die. And so you've then got that kind of period of panic and stress that actually you've taken the medication and you're still awake and nothing's happening um, and it, it's being very distressing. So what uh, what the Scottish Parliament hasn't addressed and what the medical advisory group hasn't ad addressed is what do medical practitioners do in that instance? Do they then have to resort to euthanasia? Do they then have to kill the patient to put the patient out of their misery because you know, they've tried this assisted suicide and it hasn't worked. Uh, and in, in which case, if they do that, they're then leaving themselves open legally because they're not insured uh, to do that. They've got no legal cover to do that. And, and of course, euthanasia um, is against the law. And there was even a case, I think, uh, may, maybe last year, maybe two years ago, um, but there was, there was a chap in Washington who uh, went to minister who, who, who took this route, went for um, assisted suicide. Um, and t basically, after 72 hours, didn't die. Nothing happened. Uh, and he changed his mind. Uh, and actually, fortunately for him, he got another two weeks and, you know, he got to say his goodbyes properly and, you know, decided not, not to try again. Um, but what does a doctor do in that scenario? So a group of another, uh, very high-ranking doctors who actually work in palliative care, and it's interesting, actually, if you look at the polling on this, when you look at what doctors and medical professionals themselves say, uh, particularly those who work in palliative care, those who work with the terminally ill, they do not want this. They do not want assisted suicide. But there's this high ranking group of doctors have said, we're really concerned about this report because not once you're addressing all the issues around assisted suicide, but not once have you said what a, what a medical practitioner should do if it doesn't work. Um, and, and we're very, very concerned and very, very worried about it. And the other thing to um, when talk about the, the logistics of um, assisted suicide. So these drugs aren't tested mm. because, you know, ethically, you can't test a drug to see how quickly and easily it's going to kill somebody. So a lot of the drugs that are being used are the same types of drugs that they use in sort of education. Um, execution of, of prisoners um, in capital punishment in the US. You know, the same sort of drugs, you know, they, they give you a sedative, you're being executed, they give you a sedative before you go on the gurney, that sort of thing. Um, th there is no um, research, tried and tested, evidence-based drugs, mm. you know, for euthanasia for obvious reasons because it's not ethical. And, and in fact, you have to remember, I think in 96% uh, of the world, uh, euthanasia is illegal. It's only in a small, very small um, minority of countries that have allowed uh, for euthanasia. I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about this in a minute about you know, Canada, what a basket case that has become. Um, so, so, you know, that is really something to bear in mind when you're thinking about uh, euthanasia, assisted suicide or assisted dying, as people want to call it. Um, it's not this Hollywood um, medicalized, you know, very glamorized. Oh, yes, you just sort of slip away. Um, death. It, mm. it can be pretty traumatic. Well, let's go on to that story, which you mentioned over in Canada. And here we have Canada performing more organ transplants for med donors than any country in the world. Now, I had never come across med, uh, but actually it's medical, medical assistance and dying. Uh, 
And it's, again, another term to hide the fact, as you say, Caroline, that this is suicide. But some of the figures, th this story is actually written like this is a good thing that people are committing suicide so that their organs can be taken and used. Uh, and it's a very weird idea that somebody wants to end their life, but they actually pass on their organs to be used. And therefore, people committing suicide seems to be a positive thing because there's a lack of organs. So it's a really confused, twisted story. And then it it fits in, obviously, last year. I think actually we covered it. Um, I think it was August time when they talked about 10,000 Canadians uh, actually killing themselves, uh, doing this uh, assisted suicide. So, yeah, it's we all know how bad Canada is. So tell us more about this. So um, if you look at that report, it, it, yeah, as you say, it's very boastful. It's very like, this is great that um, between 2016, when um, euthanasia, medical assistance in dying, assisted suicide was legalised in Canada and uh, 2021, uh, over half of the world's organ transplants have been uh, performed by Canada. Um, it is like something out of a dystopian novel. I don't know if you've seen the film or the book is even better as th th these things always are by um, Kazuo Ishiguro, um, Never Let Me Go, you know, which, is, which talks about this dystopian society where um, clones are made, human clones come into existence with a precise purpose. Their, their only um, function is to donate their organs uh, to, to, to non-clones. Um, and we often hear, uh, I can't remember which peer it was that said this, some very famously said, when does a right to die become a duty to die? Uh, and, and we, you know, with with seeing um, somebody being able to commit suicide and, oh, by the way, you can give your organs to someone else, you can really see the um, insidious pressure and as you said, Peter, last year, over 10,000 Canadians uh, opted to die via euthanasia or took, took up MAID. Since it was legalised in 2016, the total number is 32,000. So if the rates continue as they are, there's going to be more people dying from um, MAID, assisted suicide, than there is from COVID. Currently, the number of COVID deaths is at 50,000 uh, in, in Canada. So for all their draconian lockdowns and measures that they put into place to stop excess deaths, actually far more people are going to be dying from uh, assisted uh, suicide than, than they are COVID. And there are so many cases emerging now in Canada. So people don't like you talking about the slippery slope process. So when you say, look, this is always a slippery slope. When euthanasia was legalized in Canada in 2016, it was only for the terminally ill. Mm. It was only for those whose death was reasonab reasonably uh, foreseeable within a short time span. What happens in every single uh, jurisdiction is that as soon as euthanasia is legalized, it becomes this right to die. And so everybody else, every other hard case, and there will always be these hard cases on the peripheries in, in, in every single bioethical uh, situation. You know, and the, the saying is quite correct. Bad cases, uh, you know, hard cases make bad law. So there will be other people who aren't terminally ill, but, you know, have some tragic life limiting condition. 
and they want to access the right to die too, or the so-called right to die, and the envelope gets pushed and pushed and pushed. So Canada in 2016 said only for those whose death is, is reasonably foreseeable and imminent, which is, you know, very how can you reasonably foresee, you know, nobody pinpointing somebody's precise uh, you know, time of death is, is, is a difficult art because we're all different. Uh, our tissue structures, our DNA, you know, environmental factors, we're, we're all unique human beings. And, you know, one person's uh, circumstances can't be perfectly you know, transposed onto onto another. And so what, what we see in what we're seeing in Canada is it's been expanded to, to the point where now Canada are looking to, oh, they've got the most progressive regime in the world and they're looking to expand it further. So they want to expand it to minors. They want to expand it to the sort of mentally ill and you know terminally depressed. They also want to uh, expand it to disabled people, which has led one Canadian, well, firstly, three human rights experts at the UN have said that Canada is possibly already in breach of its UN, you know, in the UN Convention of Human Rights and is exercising a very um, discriminatory attitude to disabled people because you know the implica it's not even a subtle implication the implication is obvious if you are disabled your life is not worth living therefore you're eligible uh, to, to kill yourself um and one a canadian professor has said this is the greatest threat to the to, to disabled people the nazi regime in 1930s germany um i need to look up his name uh, but yeah, I was reading this this week. Um, so there's massive pressure on Canada and there's lots of cases emerging in Canada. There's one very uh, Paralympian, I think her name's Christine. Gosh, is it say? I, I, yeah, Christine, Christine somebody. She, she's a, she, I say she's famous. Like, I can't remember her surname. But she competed in the 2016 um, Paralympics in Rio de Janeiro. And she's been engaged in this long, fruitless battle with her local uh, authorities to get a stairlift uh, in, installed into her house. Mm. And they wrote to her and said, look, if you're finding life so challenging and demanding without the stairlift, you know you're eligible for, for, for MAID, right? Uh, you might as well kill yourself. There's been another guy who um, was, was facing eviction um, and he opted for MAID and he was signed off. Uh, and he said, you know, dying isn't my first choice, really, but I'd rather be dead than homeless. You know, I, I don't have any hope. Um, and a GoFundMe was set up for him and it raised £60,000. He's now still alive. And he said all the darkness and misery and despair and everything that I was going through has now gone. Thank you so much. I've, you know, I've got money. I can I don't have to die. Um, there's there's been another case of a, of a woman who, again, her housing wasn't adequate. They wouldn't move her to the right. Um, you know, sort of facility. She was disabled. Off for me. There's, I mean, I could rattle off people who are in poverty, who you know, who are disabled, who are in poverty, uh, who are in, in difficult and desperate circumstances, and they're not getting the aid that they should, either from their insurance companies or from the government, because it's easier and cheaper to offer them medical assistance in dying. And you know, at a time when we have the NHS under so much pressure, you know, we can't get a doctor's appointment. Don't even get me started on uh, the difficulties I've had accessing the GP over the last few weeks for, for my 11-year-old daughter. You know, we're frightened to go to A&E. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we are, it's really interesting actually in the UK, I, I'm gonna digress, but before the pandemic, right, 
doctors were all about don't self-diagnose, don't look up your symptoms online. I've been trying to get an appointment for my 11-year-old and you ring up the doctors and they're trying to gatekeep you away from the doctor. Look up this app, look it up on the website. Uh, And only if the website says, should you come back to us? Um, You know, they're they're actually trying to to force you to to stay away from the doctor and self-diagnose. But where we have this in the UK where our health, you know, our NHS, once you see a doctor, the doctors themselves are brilliant, but actually kind of getting in there is a Kafkaesque nightmare almost, where we've got this the, the NHS on its knees uh, and we've got this cost of living crisis, um, you know, we've got energy bills going through the roof and, and petrol and, and, and everything else that we know is happening. Uh, whether the government could and should do more is another matter. But, but when we've got this huge cost of living crisis, we've got our health care system on its knees, really introducing euthanasia, you know, you can, it's not hard to see how people are really going to be uh, into taking this. And to actually, you know, taking your own life will be seen as a virtue, will be seen as the right thing to do. And you can just see as well now with virtual, with, with social media, the sort of virtue signaling there's going to be. Um, oh, I've done the right thing. You know, I've, I've stayed safe and safe home. <laughs> I've killed myself. You know, I'm going to help other people. Just know we, we, we have to really not let this legislation get a foot in the door. Not completely. Let's head over to a positive story over in Italy. Sometimes it's difficult to get positive stories, but you've got the absolute wonderful Georgia Maloney, the new prime minister there. First strike against puberty blockers. The Italian psychoanalytic, the, the Italian psychoanalytic society has taken this concerns to Prime Minister Maloney. And I think this is, the article says, the first time that a professional body, health professional body, has raised concerns about the abuse done to children uh, through the whole uh, gender screw-up that is happening. Um, and is this your bus, Caroline? Did you post this was uh, this was your bus or one of your campaigns? Oh, she's frozen. Oh, she's really frozen. That's okay. We'll bring her back in a moment. Uh, we'll bring her back. This, uh, I mean, it's wonderful to have Georgia Maloney and the wonderful thing hopefully she's going to do in Italy. Uh, so they've this organisation has written to her expressing great concern about the use of puberty blockers with children and calling for rigorous scientific discussion of youth gender problems. The letter dated 12th of January 2023, the first time a health professional body has raised concerns. Um, and yeah, there, there is a ton about no debate in Italy where there's no debate here really either. Um, Carl... Caroline, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can. It's a little bit patchy. Um, but That's yeah. okay. You're, you disappeared and came back. But tell us, <laughs> did you post this was uh, your bus one from Citizen Girl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was really, I, I mean, it was great to see. Obviously, this is um, a fight that my colleague, uh, Matteo Fraoli in Italy, is fighting very hard. And we're actually going to get some uh, transitioners over to speak Um at various rallies and various events uh, and in front of um, the Italian Prime Minister, although I think she's very much on side because, as you can see, she's in front of one of our Citizen Go buses, uh, which caused so much controversy in 2017 
because around the country, well, around the world, different countries, we had buses saying, you know, girls have vaginas, um, men have penis, boys have penises, and this was deemed hate speech. And <laughs> I mean, we had one recently in Barcelona that got impounded. You know, they've been. Uh, bunch of leftists in um, Spain. We had uh, a bus impounded in, in Madrid. I, I think that was in 2017, 2018. Recently, we had one impounded in um, Barcelona. We've, we've had these. The only uh, place that we haven't had them in is the UK. <laughs> and I'm not ruling anything out, Peter. Wow. <laughs> That's I'm saying. Um, but yeah, we, we've, they've been incredibly successful. And it's, it's, you know, they just really spread the message. But it, it just goes to show it's scary, isn't it? You know, boys have penises, women have vaginas is not hate speech. It's basic biology. And yet, you know, this has been, you know, these buses have been impounded because they might hurt people's feelings. But yeah, it's it's really good to see. Um, you know, I, I think things are going to go the right way in Italy. Yeah. I think they are going to come down heavily against gender ideology. And, you know, this this transing of children, because, you know, various countries, as you mentioned, Sweden is one of them. I think yeah. France is another where they're just saying, no, this is this is not tried and tested science. This is dangerous. This is damaging. Yeah. Um, and we um, I mean, it's it's awful, actually, to have the stories of the transitioners beginning to emerge. Uh, and they, you know, they prove the point perfectly and nicely. But it's, you don't want that, actually. You know, where you've got a detransitioner, you haven't got someone to prove a point for you. You've got a person who's yeah. had their life irreparably damaged and wrecked. You know, just I, I'm a Catholic and, you know, we know the harm that's been caused to people by you know, clerical sex abuse. Um, it's just horrific. It's, you know, this is, these are not detransitioners are not people that you can use as weapons, um, but they have to come forward and tell their story. So, and, and many of them are so motivated to because they absolutely just don't want this happening to any other individual. And, and you often find this, you find this, you know, you're in, in the area, I talk about abortion a lot, but, you know, women who, who've had abortions uh, and they've been caused so much pain and so much regret and they just really don't want this happening. Uh, to other people and, and 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 people who've been through that trauma you know particularly of detransitioning mm. are just you know the best witnesses uh as to what we're saying it's not that we're being horrible paranoid nasty hateful bigots it's like you are doing something that is damaging somebody's life forever you know we we cannot allow children to, to take these decisions yeah. um interesting you know this week well in fact uh the 23rd of february i think it comes in oh oh legal to get yeah. married you hear me so it's going it's illegal now as from the 23rd of um, February, it's going to be illegal to get married under the age of 18. The, the legal age of marriage is being raised because we recognise that you can't, you don't really have capacity to enter into such a serious commitment um, when you're a minor. And yet, people are saying, you know, that the, the young teenagers and toddlers and can, can make these decisions uh, about their identity that's going to affect them for the rest of their lives. 
No, it's crazy. And the ne- let's bring up the next one because this shows what's happening outside our schools. And this is here's a picture of the man that Essex police, which is trained by Stonewall. Many of our police forces are, uh, many of our many institutions are, have said is not a threat to children just because he hangs around the school wearing the school girls' uniform. Pro Jam, can you scroll it down? There's, a, I think, the next one. No, no, down. Yeah, if you not that picture, there's another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, beautiful. What a nonce. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, you know, uh, no, no doubt. go for it. Go for I, it. I can be sued for libel because, you know, <laughs> words. I don't fail know. Me. Okay, I shouldn't really call him a nonce because I don't know whether or not he is one, but he is certainly a, a, a creepy, dodgy fetishist. This is not normal behavior. This is sexually deviant behavior uh you know i'm mum of four girls and and, and my girls get on tra- public transport to and from school my goodness if there was a bloke like this you'd be like stay away from him girls you know you just don't want your children to have to be ex- you know exposed to that and he's obviously getting his jollies um dressing up like this and he's also he there's another picture of him he's been in a red uniform uh, on the bus <laughs> uh, and hanging around a lamppost he's even been caught trying to scale a fence uh, of a third school um he's he's fortunately been banned from a local school uniform shop because he's been going in and buying the blocks ple- did you not see this he's been going in buying the box pleated skirt and saying it's for his grand granddaughter. Um, and the schools, uh, sorry, the, the shop's management have figured out he's a creepy perv um, and, and they've banned him. But what are the police saying? Instead of the, you know, this is where, we'll talk about PSPOs later, but this is where some sort of antisocial behaviour order is needed. It needs to be slapped on it. He needs to be, you know, stop it. Stop it, geezer. If you want to dress up as a schoolgirl, do it in your bedroom. Do it in your home. Fine. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> if that's how you get your jollies off, fine. Dress up as a schoolgirl and pretend whatever in, in the confines of your own home when nobody else has to be subjected to it. But we should not have to be subjected to your creepy, pervy fetish. Goodness knows what you're thinking of the schoolgirls who walk past. You, you know, actually... Frightening the, you know, don't frighten the horses. You know, they're frightening the schoolgirls. You know, because girls will know that that's a bloke dressed up as them, and you know, they they won't quite know how to react. And you know, what are the police doing? Saying, oh, don't share pictures of him. Why not? And they know why not because they know that people will see that and will get very angry, and or it might perhaps put the man at risk and stop him from dressing up as a schoolgirl in the, you know in the vicinity of of um, the schools. I mean. It is crazy. You know, this is this is really bad policing by the police. Basically, the police don't want to have to go to any effort to do anything. So it's like, oh, don't share, don't share pictures of him because you know it might make some people angry, and then we might have to get off our backsides and you know go and sort out a situation. Um, but, but it's insane. Karen, but Karen, it's it's where we've come to. Whenever there's no right and wrong, whenever anyone can do whatever they <laughs> like, and the police will argue that well, this individual, they're not actually. Do hurting anyone, doing anything wrong. And we would argue, no, they've got a, a serious issue. They actually need help with yeah. whatever is going on in their uh, head. I mean, uh, this, is, this is why they you know, care and the community has all gone a bit wrong. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is, this is you know, well, I mean, years ago, someone like that would have been locked up. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, the poor guy ought to be for life, but he certainly needs some sort of... To, to stop him from rearing his sexual fetish, 
in front of schoolgirls. And in fact, the police have just been so indoctrinated with you know lgbt ideology oh this is his identity this is who he is you know this is who he wants to be you know and anyone thinking this is really creepy and you know you're imposing and he's imposing this and he's on other people and he's causing um you know, a, a public order nuisance. And all the police can do is think, oh, Stonewall, <laughs> you know, it, all the police, yeah, all the police can do is think his identity, you know, his identity as, you know, whatever, a 10 year old schoolgirl trumps, you know, the, the privacy, dignity, and safety of, of actual children. And no doubt, if one of those children were to call him an old perv or whatever, um, then they'd be done for being <laughs> for, for hate speech. Yeah, and it makes me so cross actually that guys like this can behave like this, uh, you know, in in a way that is a threat to sort of public order and and you know is a breach of the police. And yet they come knocking on my door because some transgender fella who doesn't like what I say about him on social media decides to look up. You know, he, he could just stick to the block but no some transgender fella has has looked up what i say on twitter decided that he you know does doesn't he, he decided he can give it out but when he gets it back he's you know oh help me I'm, I'm a transgender victim and i get the police knocking on my door and arresting me in front of my children um to seize my equipment for something that somebody else has posted you know it's just insane and crazy um years ago you know <laughs> this wouldn't have been tolerated and it also goes to show I shared another article this week um written by the feminist Megan Murphy uh and it was actually you know pretty good it was it was saying what I've been saying for years but of course it's always more palatable when it comes from a secular feminist is that we need to reintroduce some element of shame and stigma yep. when it comes to sex into society you know we've got this really progressive attitude that anything goes it doesn't matter you know, if you want to, you want to pretend you're a schoolgirl and you know frighten and disgust other schoolgirls and, and you know actually get your sexual kicks in public, um, then that then that's fine and there should be no shame and stigma, and that's who you, who you are. That's 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 your authentic identity. You're just you know being who you, <laughs> being your authentic self. <laughs> i.e. a pervert. Well, well, while the police think that is absolutely normal for men to dress up as girls and drool over young children. Actually, what they don't think is normal is, and this is the second case, army veteran fined for silent prayer, penalty for praying for my son who is deceased. This is the ADF Alliance for Defending Freedom, a great organization. And this name's Adam Smith Connor. He's challenging this council fine he outside an abortion clinic and he was praying. This is the second case. It seems as though Bournemouth because this is the second case, I think, in Bournemouth, the first one was there as well. Um, no, that, the first, I think the first yeah. one was um, Birmingham. Oh, it's in Birmingham, okay, okay. But but this is, so while, while, while it's okay for the first case outside schools for pervs to be there, um, actually someone standing silently praying, um, 
And it's, I mean, hugely worrying. And it seems to be, I mean, Lord Pearson asked a question about this on on Victoria's case. Um, and they said, well, there's a balance between uh, your right to freedom of speech and protection of other rights. And hey, it's up to the police and local council to, to do this. And they're just washing their hands of disgusting legislation that they have put through. My MP was the one who push this issue through outside yeah. outside buffer zones um so rip a huck um yeah. but yeah tell because i can so, weird someone just standing praying silently and this is not illegal so this is yeah so the first case was uh in birmingham this one is in bournemouth where the bournemouth uh, buffer zone is even more draconian any kind of you can't even cross yourself in the buffer zones. Now, the buffer zones are pretty big as well. They're the size of a football pitch. Um, now, I, if I see an ambulance or a hearse, I always cross myself and I always say a prayer. Um, but what they've said is that any act of religios religiosity or faith inside the buffer zone is illegal. Now, what this chap was doing, um, you should read Adam's story. It's very moving. He lost uh, his son to abortion 22 years ago. Um, he drove his wife or his, his then partner to the clinic. Um, and then later they had regret. And he was kind of standing near there. He wasn't interfering with any passers-by. He had his, his back to near where the facility was. He had no leaflets. He had no signage. He wasn't attempting to express his opinion. He was just stood there having a private conversation with God in his head about his uh, deceased son and, you know, praying for his son. And the police approached him. And, you know, you've got to see the video because the police, no, sorry, it wasn't the police. Let me tell the truth. It was a council officials, local council enforcement officials. And they came up to him uh, and they asked him what he was doing. Uh, and he said, oh, he was praying. And they said, can we ask the nature of your prayers? <laughs> I mean, it's like something out of Ch communist China or yep. Orwellian yep. dystopia. They asked him what he was praying about. And he said, I'm praying about my son who died. And they said, oh, we're very sorry about that, but we just got to follow guidelines. And they proceeded to issue him with a penalty fine. And what's so scary about this is that you could be walking through this zone and you could stop silently and see, I don't know, you could see a flower bush or a rose bush and think about your Aunt Gladys who passed away and loved these roses or something. That's fine. You could, you could, but as soon as you start praying, for whatever reason, that is not allowed. So you can't have a silent conversation with your God. In the, in the privacy of your own heads, in case somebody's walking past, thinks you might be thinks you might be praying and feels intimidated by it and harassed. Mm -hmm. Now we all agree uh, that harassment out anywhere is wrong, that women going in and out of abortion centers should not be harassed. But there was already uh, sufficient legislation to deal with that. The Public Order Act already gave the police sufficient powers uh, to, you know, if there was a breach of the peace or if people were being disturbed. Um, and a 2019 inquiry into you know, what was going on outside abortion facilities said that there just wasn't enough evidence to show that you know, the buffer zones were needed. And one of the things I find very 
peculiar about all this. You know, there are all these weird and wonderful crimes of harassment and people throwing holy water and this, that and the other happening. In an age where the mobile phone is ubiquitous, mm. why is there no evidence? There's never any evidence. There's never any... Uh, and, and the abortion centres have a CCTV on the outside and they're always trained on the streets outside. Um, in an age where we've got you know ubiquitous mobile phones, everyone's got a camera in their pocket, when the abortion centres have got CCTV trained on the streets outside, why is there it's only ever oral evidence and it's never um it's always from anonymous people as well and uh in these centers as well they do say oh did anyone approach you when you were coming outside you know and nobody thinks that harassment is a is a good thing and you know there is a there is a balance to be struck but actually when you have these zones where people can't even pray people can't even offer an opinion on abortion. So even if you wanted to stand outside the abortion clinic or near it and go, yeah, yeah, it's your choice. You, you're doing the right thing. And I really support abortion. That would be illegal too. It, it is, it's so draconian. Um, and it's such an, you know, a blight on civil liberties. Of course, you can't have people harassed, but where you have now actual zones, and it, bear in mind, there's a, a zone in Mattock Lane in Ealing, and technically, the people who live inside that zone can't pray in their houses either. <laughs> I mean, no, nobody's ever going, going to enforce that. But you cannot have a law which says where you can pray. You know, it's okay to pray here. That, that dictates what and where you can pray. That is a, an infringement on civil liberties, on human rights, on, on, on religious freedoms. And very often you'll get those people who will say to you, they'll, they'll quote scripture and they'll say, you know, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like, you know, but actually that scripture verse is. Oh. They're praying in order to get praise and adulation. That is not about praying in order to. end an evil the abortion is, is is ending the life of somebody then of course you're going to want uh, to pray for all those in, involved um and very often you know there are hundreds and hundreds of women and i could point you to so many women who have thanks to their people who have been there actually doing preach have chosen life uh, for their babies and you know I've, I've had one woman say to me i didn't know this was like a fairy godmother you know, they were promising mm. to pay my rent. They were promising to do this. And they carry through their promises. This isn't just like, oh, we'll give you some baby clothes and a nap. You know, the, the the help that is offered is concrete, real, and, 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 and helpful. And, you know, they are helping women on very often who are on the peripheries of society. So they help uh, trafficked women, for example. And all the NHS will do is say, if you don't have an abortion, we'll take your baby into care and they just deport the woman. And actually what, what the outreach workers are doing is helping a woman not only to choose her baby, but also with all the immigration issues and everything else uh, that she might have. It is, um, you know, this, this is real uh, Christian outreach that, that they do. But to have a law, you know, where you've just got a bloke standing there. So had um, Adam, but going back to Adam Smith-Connor, had they said to him, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm thinking about moving to this area and I'm just, you know, I'm just like, seeing what the traffic is like you know 
Uh, I'm just seeing if this area is used as a rat run. Absolutely fine. Had he said, oh, I'm a bit worried. There's a lot of traffic in this area. I'm thinking about Greater Thunberg. That would have been fine. I'm thinking about global warning. You know, you can't have a law that tells you what you can think about. Um, and in fact, what I think needs to happen, you know, I'm very tempted. To, I mean, I have to be very careful, but I'm, I'm going to next time in one of these zones, I'm going to walk through that zone and I'm going to pray in my head. Nobody will know. <laughs> Nobody, you know, it's my little act of civil, civil disobedience. What are you going to do? <laughs> walk through the zone, pray in your head and then go and hand yourself into the police station. <laughs> it, it, it is it is. I, I use the word insane a lot because this is society that we're it living is. in. Yeah. But, but it, it's draconian. I mean, school was not supposed to be, to use a cliche, um, an instruction manual. And this is this is something that, that is dreamt up by, you know, the dystopian writers, uh, Aldous Huxley and, and Orwell of, of, the, yeah. of the 20th century. Nobody could dream that we would have a situation where somebody came up to you and you're doing nothing wrong yeah i mean he wasn't i don't even think loitering is a criminal offense anymore um but he wasn't he was just stood there thinking and no i'm afraid i'm gonna to have to find you 100 pounds for thinking the wrong thoughts in the wrong place madness well let's go on to hurt feelings that other people have felt and all they want to do is get healthy now projam have uh if we can we play we'll do the headline can we play the audio on this uh, let's see if you've... So, I was extremely devastated. A transgender woman told she she is not allowed to use woman-only gym in Parkville. Do you want to scroll it up and just... Let's play the first 30 seconds of this. It, it should play. 28-year-old Bridget Klein-Simpson has identified as a woman for years and she wants to get into better shape, so she went to the Body Works Gym for Women in Parksville for a membership. Klein Simpson says she was initially welcomed, but after one workout, she was informed she was not allowed at the woman's only gym. Saying, sorry, we made a mistake. You're not actually allowed to be here, but you're more than welcome. Use the co-ed facility. And uh, I kind of just hung up because uh, I was, I mean, I was extreme, extre devastated. I mean, there's really no other word for it. Klein Simpson. Right. So devastated. That was dead. It is, yes, yes, and it, not even a. Uh, <laughs> can you say if a bloke can can look like a good female? I don't know, but any, I'll not even. No, he doesn't. Know. He doesn't. I mean, no. yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he is a bloke that does need probably a, a little bit of exercise as well, yeah. like many of us need. So it's good that he wants to go to the gym. Uh, it's just the wrong gym, and you're right. This is a topsy turvy world where. Yeah, and then it's. I mean, look, what kind of. What kind of world are we living in? This is, you've got the media broadcasters, and it's the same in this country, pandering to his delusion and calling him a she. Yeah. I mean, anybody looking at that person knows it's a man. No, you know, and this is all about breaking down what it means to be male, what it means to be female, and, and making us all some sort of amorphous mass. Um, but this is a big, fat, sweaty bloke. The size of him, he's tall, and he's got a big beer belly, this big gunt kind of <laughs> sticking out. Um, no, this... And as, as a woman, you just... I, I mean, if, if you go to a mixed... To be, to be fair, if I went to... Uh, I was going to say a co-ed gym, but um, you know, if I went to a, a mixed-sex gym and I saw someone like that, I would be perfectly nice and pleasant and sympathetic, you know, some, some guy trying to work out. 
um, and, and try to lose weight, you know, and good good for him that he can clearly see that he has weight to lose and he's trying to adopt a healthy lifestyle. But no, this is about him wanting to be validated and accepted and, and as one of the girls. And if, if you're in a single sex gym because you'd actually um, – don't want the, you know, I've, I've, years ago I've been members of gyms, you know, and you, you get the guys posing in front of you and you know that you're being checked out and, you know, um, and, and you yeah, know, people, women from religious persuasions, you know, Orthodox um, Jews and, and Muslim women, you know, that's part of their faith, that's part of their religion. They need single sex, um, sing, single sex facilities. Um, you know, when you go to the Middle East, uh, you get, you know, you get single sex gyms and that's absolutely fine. Um, but if, you know, you shouldn't have to justify your need or your want, you know, for a single sex gym. You know, I can, I can really understand why women want single sex gyms. Um, I'm probably too old to, to, to have all the men leering at me, so I'm not really that, that bothered by it. But, you know, um, you're there in a single sex gym or but put it another way. If I was in a, a woman's changing room, and that guy uh, came in, ugh, be awful. Yeah, you do not want that man. So, you know, it's not just the sort of exercise equipment. If you're, you know, in, 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 in this, you know, you go to the gym and you have a shower room, don't you? And, you know, you go and have your shower and you dry off and what have you. And it's, it's other women. You just don't want that bloke there. I don't care what his sexual orientation is. I don't care if he's like sexually interested in me or not. It's just like, no. I don't want to be getting dressed in front of you, and I certainly want don't want to see your private parts, and you know, and and you know, just to validate your fetish. And you know, a lot of the time, um, these these men are autogynophiles, so they get their sexual kicks, and a bit like the guy in the school uniform earlier. They get their sexual kicks and their sexual jollies from you know being identified as a woman and passing as a woman. And you know, every time you use the right pronouns, that gives them a little validation. That you know, they're actually getting off on that, and they're getting off on your discomfort you know they're, they're psychopaths and sadists and they're enjoying it you know so a guy like that he has no consideration for anybody else it's all about me 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 i want to get my kit off in a gym with the women to feel as if i'm one of the women and probably to have a good old leer at them too no 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 no, no. Um, and it, it's just madness actually instead of a news item saying oh this is terrible and oh mm. this is all controversial this should be like We've got a perv <laughs> wanting to come into, you know, the women's gym and the women's changing room. And, and we've just said no to the perv. It's a bit like, um, I mean, you must have seen, it's probably illegal now, that little Britain sketch, um, I'm a lady. With, yes. <laughs> and, and you've got Emily Howard, the transvestite. Of course, you're not allowed to call them transvestites anymore. And she, I say she, but Emily Howard, the character, is saying, I'm a lady and I need to go for a ladies' swim and I need to go into the ladies' changing room. <laughs> And, the, you know, the, the pool attendant very firmly, uh, blokes over there, <laughs> you know, yeah. and just doesn't have any of it. I, I, you know, that's that's what should happen. You should have these, you know, the managers of the gyms just go, no, mate, no, sorry, you're a bloke. Uh, it shouldn't even have been allowed in once, actually. Yeah. You know, there should have been better gatekeeping. You should have been allowed in once. It's like, no, you're a bloke. Uh, and there needs to be no headlines. You know, this is not discrimination this is not some poor vulnerable person who needs to feel special this is just like yet another perv you know yeah we turned away another perv and that's what would have happened 20 years ago someone like that would have tried to join a gym and just been laughed at and you know <laughs> there wouldn't have been the headlines uh, 
yeah but because as i said before there's no stigma there's no footing around and you know treading on eggshells saying giving people the time of day i know let's um and, and gosh that sounds terribly harsh doesn't it no. license to enter our printing rooms we are and it looks like it's just going to get let's um approach i'm gonna do I'll, let me pull up this story first because I want to touch on this and then we'll finish with the ULES story at the end. But this is a, a I guess, defeat snatch from the jaws of victory. Uh, mermaids to train NHS staff looking after Tavistock trans children. So with NHS Trust, which is taking care, taking over care of the trans children from the Tavistock Clinic, uh, is being trained up by mermaids so the government say we're not happy with this uh you're getting shut down uh you're you're we're getting investigated we're shutting down tavistock and then a new one appears and is trained up by the very same group that are causing so many issues i mean it it's common sense that you wouldn't let such an organization to back in but i guess our government doesn't have any common sense at all um but it's a it's a frustrating story, isn't it, Carrie? Because you see something positive happening, and then it just turns around and. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering whether or not this is just. Say, say that again. <laughs> We're having some sound issues today, Caroline. Yeah. You back? Oh, I'm your back. Yeah, yeah no, so, um, yeah, I mean, I think what's going on here is it's just not joined up thinking. Somebody somewhere has gone, oh, yeah, mermaids are the people that do all the training. And, and you know, it's just not really switched on or, or plugged in to what's been going on with mermaids. I mean, it is an absolute scandal that, that, that this organisation that's being investigated because of their extremely poor governance um, that goodness knows we we don't exactly know what's happened but we know that the charity commission have said we're really uncomfortable with what's happening we we can't um countenance you you know it's not safe to continue giving you your uh, charity status and they've had to push out susie green who mm. was the figurehead for all of this um and they've said you know there are some real problems with governance and uh, staff relationships so we're not you know perhaps there's a bullying culture we're not quite sure what's going on but in addition to um the charity commission's inquiry it's not just that it's there's been other safeguarding issues so mermaids have been sending out breast binders to children without their parents knowledge or consent and in, in fact even where someone has said oh my mum doesn't agree and you know they've been giving allowing people to give them fake addresses so that yeah. they can get um, breast binders behind their parents' back. They've been encouraging them onto Discord servers, which are not moderated, so that goodness knows what's been going on on these Discord servers. They've been coaching them with the right things to say, how to get the puberty blockers, how to how to get what you want, you know, the medication that you want. Um, and, and they've been putting so much pressure on children, there was another thing as well. They've been uh, there was some data breach, and, and they leaked all these uh, emails and uh, of names of real people. Um, yeah, they, there's just been, and now of course they had a trustee who was uh, a, an actual paedophile defender and has spoken at a pro paedophile conference. And 
you know, people have said, why did you not even, they didn't even investigate uh, why this, they didn't even, or they didn't seem to do any due diligence on this this person's mm. background. It's like, oh yeah, you know, you're LGBT, you're LGBT, you know, come and, in fact, there's been two of them. There was one that was a trustee and there was some, another guy with another role and you should have seen the stuff he had on his social media. I mean, it was the most uh, disgusting and obscene um, sexual content uh, and a lot of it, you know, aimed at, at, at children as well or, or indicated an interest in children. So there's been safeguarding failure after safeguarding failure. And now the charity commission have said, yeah, you know, you're not safe. And yet <laughs> the NHS is saying, oh, <laughs> or a local trust, you're good people to take advice from. I mean, what planet are you on? I suppose, I mean, that charitably, I want to say, well, maybe they just have no idea. Um, maybe it's laziness. Um, and I hope that it is laziness, but this needs to be stopped. I think the problem is there are no adults in the room. That is the, the <laughs> issue. Um, let's finish off with a completely different story. Um, um, Luta, we had two others to touch on, but they'll be uh, in the, the links, I know, for anyone watching, certainly on Rumble. Uh, it'll be there. So we'll go with this final story, completely different, on traffic. And this is London Ulez, which is the ultra-low emission zone, uh, which has expanded from initially a congestion charge that was to do with congestion. Then it became about emissions. Now has been wider. And that you've got low emissions zone, you've got an ultra-low emission zone. But this is a issue because in London, just for US viewers in London, we're made up of 26 different councils. Um, and for this to work each council must give its agreement for new cameras, which will be uh, a extremely large area of London, not just the centre, but very wide. And if your car is an older car, you'll be fined twelve fifty. If you don't pay it, then you'll get uh, you'll have to pay twelve fifty to get in, on top of the fifteen pound congestion charge. And if you don't pay, you get fined. I think seventy odd quid. Uh, of course, I think our politicians tell us all, just get a new Tesla. Just spend 60000 to get a new... Um, but so Harrow are refusing. Uh, I think Croydon have also refused to install TfL tra Transport for London cameras needed to record this charge. Um, and it, it, it's wonderful because, Karen, this is an attack on the motorists and not uh, people need cars mm. for varying reasons. There are many parts of London that actually aren't well connected, certainly in the south, southeast. Um, Harrow is... Northwest, it actually has, it doesn't have a great set of connections, but again, it's an attack on the motorist. And it's lovely to see a council actually standing up. You don't need to stand up the mayor of London, you just need to get on your knees because he's about that height. But yeah, standing up yeah. to the mayor of London. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. In fact, I, I meant to look up, I don't know if they're um, Conservative-run councils or not, but I mean, as you say, this is an attack on a motorist. It's also an attack on the poorest, because if you've got a, an older car, then you have to pay more. Uh, now, who of us can afford to uh, replace our cars in this current climate? You know, if you've got loads and loads of money, then yeah, sure, you can. Although, interestingly, they're now saying that electric cars are per mile um, more expensive. I saw that. Um, <laughs> than, than petrol and, and diesel. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as you say, it's, it's good to see this happening, but I'm also quite worried because this is not the only council, is it? There's um, Oxford Council are in, 
instigating a congestion charge. There's also shenanigans going on in Canterbury. Yep. They want to have this um, exclusion zone, don't they? And, and it seems to be about stopping people from going out and about in their cars. You know, it's, it's almost, it's, it's very draconian. Um, and, it, and it's yet another kind of state intrusion by stealth into our liberties, into our freedoms, um, you know, trying to guilt us into, into not using our cars. And it, it is the poorest people who are affected because, you know, I, and I've been stunned actually, um, you know, the, the rise in public transport costs as well. So my children use public transport as a lot of kids do to, to get into school. And one of the reasons we chose a school that we chose is because it's very accessible via transport. Um, but I can see over the years just how much that fare has risen. It's mm. extraordinary and extortionate. And even now, you know, you get on the tube and a single tube journey, you know, even if you hop on at Waterloo and you go to Westminster, that's a fiver. Yep. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's cheaper if you get your Oyster card or, or whatever. But public transport fares are absolutely skyrocketing. Uh, and the only choice that most people have out, outside of London, and particularly Harrow, as you say, which isn't very well connected, mm. is to get in their car. And this seems to be all about the governments and local councils crushing down on the ordinary person, the little person, because we know if you've got a lot of money and you can afford to change your car or you can afford to pay these, you know, the charge or the, the fine, you know, 1250 is probably not all that much money to you, but, but it's extortionate. And it, it is, it is quite worrying. It, it, we are, you know, it, we are seeing, I think this real attack uh, and it's, 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 but it's a chipping away, isn't it? And it's a chipping away, and it and it's it's couched in such a, a way that anyone who doesn't agree or subscribe to it, you know, doesn't care about the environment, and it's terribly selfish. Um, you know, it's it's this sort of virtue signal, isn't virtue signaling? This 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 guilt tripping, this this new state religion. You know, there's a, a bunch of new state religions, and one of them is you know care for the environment and, and diversity. And of course, we should all have care for the environment. We, you know, stewardship is important. You know, I'm 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 not going to uh, say we should all burn <laughs> loads and loads of carbon and nobody should, should care. Um, there's there's clearly a middle ground uh, to be had somewhere, but but this is all about. I think just another sort of chipping away uh, at our at our civil liberties and chipping away at our freedoms and you know trying to make ordinary everyday activities outside the realm uh, of ordinary working people and yeah it's, it's, it is very good to see um, councils coming down hard on this or, or saying no I mean how much I've forgotten how much did they say it would cost to install this system it was a lot wasn't it oh, it was a lot yeah it was it's a lot and supposedly TfL don't make any money after the third year or something but to put that ring of cameras around it is hugely expensive it's tens of millions to put it in if not hundreds of them. I know when they put a congestion charge it was something like 150 million or some silly amount all this to raise a few quid and it just seems crazy. You know, well, it's clearly not going to be efficient. No. Uh, 
No. And and of course, none of us would have to do this if only all those in Davos actually got a bus from the airport to Davos instead of <laughs> getting helicopters. That would be one way of solving it. And maybe that would reduce uh, their carbon footprint. But Karen, we've gone past an hour. I'm sorry for keeping you so long. Thank you so much for coming on. Always good to chat with you. I always love going through your um, your Twitter feed or your Getter feed and see what you're putting up. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Always great to have you. And for our viewers and listeners, we are back. Oh, actually, goodness, there are um, 3,000 of you on Getter. So thank you so much for joining us on on Getter and watching. There are other platforms, but we like Getter. Um, and on Monday, we've got Paul McGowan. Paul McGowan, an artist. I think we're. I think the title was something like Meme, Meme Wars, How Memes Are the 21st Century Graffiti. Um, he's an artist. He actually, for three years, he his studio was the Eaton Centre down in Cornwall, the big domes. And for three years, he was the resident artist. Um, suffered greatly because he's pro-Brexit. Um, and... He joined us to talk about what's happening in the art world, which is a, a new area to me, but I had a great conversation with him a few days ago. So that is on Monday. So tune in for Paul McGowan. And on that, I think I'll wish our viewers and listeners a wonderful rest of your day. Enjoy your evening. Have a good Sunday, whatever you're doing with friends and family. If you're out to church, as I will be at 11 o'clock. Uh, oh, snap. <laughs> yes, snap, there you go. We'll be at different churches, but we will be at church, one of the many thousands across the country. But whatever you're doing, uh, enjoy your Sunday, and we'll be back with you on Monday evening. So thank you so much, and good night. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list. Donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.